Thanks for joining us today for the Lighthouse Church Podcast. We love hearing stories about how this podcast and how our church encourages and allows us to use God's Word to reach others not just in our area, but all over the world. If you got a story about something you've heard on this podcast that has made a difference in your life, let us know by emailing us at amen at lighthouseag.com. We'd love to hear about it. Also, if you'd like to help this ministry financially, you can do so online at www.lighthouseag.com by clicking on the online giving and help us bring this message and others like it to you each week. Thanks for joining us. We encourage you to open your heart and minds today to experience a word from God. In spite of all the time that has passed, it can all be traced back to that one day. They knew that they shouldn't listen to him. You know in your heart, I should not listen. They knew they shouldn't listen to him. They knew it wasn't a good idea, but against their better judgment, they listened. There was something about him. There was something about him. He was so smooth, so sly, so cunning, and it sounded good. The conversations they had with him made them question all the things that they thought they knew. But it certainly didn't turn out like he thought it would and like he promised them it would. One thing for sure, this event was a very eye-opening experience. Everything looked drastically different than just a moment before. In just an instant, their perspective and their worldview changed completely. They were still trying to get their bearings and come up with a plan when they heard the rustling of footsteps in the thick vegetation. And fear struck their hearts. What would they do if he saw them? How would they explain this predicament that they were in? Their hearts started beating fast. And what do we do? How do we get out of here? Maybe they could put a greater distance between he and them. Maybe he wouldn't see them. Maybe he wouldn't know where they are. or Maybe he wouldn't recognize what they had done. So they began to run. Have you ever been in that place, maybe when you were a kid and you were someplace that you shouldn't be and you heard people and you take off running? You know you're not supposed to be there. You know you're going to be in trouble if you get caught and you take off running. They begin to run. They ran and they hid amongst the trees. But then to their utter dismay, they heard his voice and he was calling by name. He said, where are you at? Which really meant, I know you're there. Why are you trying to hide from me? Why were they trying to hide? They were trying to hide because they were naked. What would you do if you were outside naked and someone started walking in your direction? You'd try to hide and cover up too. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve tried to do that day. And that's what their children have been doing from that day till this. They've been trying to run and to hide and to cover up their shame. It's funny, thousands of years later, and there's three participants in this event, and each of them continues to do the same thing thousands of years later. The descendants of Adam continue to try to run and hide and cover themselves. They blame others. The father continues to search for and call out to his children 
longing to have fellowship with them daily. And the serpent continues to try to deceive and manipulate each new generation's of Adam's descendants. Satan's strategies have not changed much over the last several thousand years. Let's look and see the serpent deceived Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says that now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, I'm reading to you from the King James, Yea, Hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, just so you know, God did not say that. He didn't say not to touch it. Okay? And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Today I want to talk to you, we're talking about change your thinking, change your life. And my goal today is to expose to you the mind games of the enemy. The enemy plays mind games with you. And if you don't realize that, If you don't recognize that he plays mind games with you to start with, you're going to be worked over all the time. He's a master manipulator. He's a deceiver. And he loves to get in under people's skin and to get into their mind and cause doubt and confusion and unbelief. He loves to strike fear in their lives. First thing we need to do is we need to recognize that the battle begins in our minds. I can't think of a sin that you and I would participate in, that it did not first start in our minds. It starts in our minds. It doesn't happen instantly. I can't think of any. It starts somewhere, and you may say, at that moment, I just responded. Well, I can assure you that your mind has been saying it's okay to respond that way or flirting with that thing before you just responded. Okay, from the abundance of the heart, the scripture says that the mouth speaks. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself Against what? The knowledge of God. There's things that oppose the knowledge of God that set themselves up against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, first of all, we have to ask this question, what are strongholds? They are wrong thoughts and thinking patterns, lies that have been perpetuated in your mind For days, weeks, months, and even years, the brain has these, I'm not an expert on this, and I'm not going to pretend that I am. They have these synapses where it's like patterns of electrical things that go in your brain and as thoughts go. There's patterns that you and I have of thinking when something comes up. It's kind of like a rut. And you start thinking one way. 
And before long, if you let that thought continue to be there, if you have a negative thought about a person, you have a negative attitude about somebody, you have a fearful thought, it seems like once you let that thought in your mind, that it somehow makes it easier for the next time a situation comes up. For those of you who have a problem with anger or with our tempers, sometimes it don't take very much at all for our initial response is anger. I'm talking to somebody, I guess. I see all you guys grinning. So that as soon as something happens, that the response is quickly to anger, complaining. There's another one. Sometimes something happens in a person's life and their initial response, instead of saying, oh, okay, we can take care of this. Something arises and their initial response is to complain. Everything that happens, they complain. Can I tell you that those are habits that we've gotten into? Those are strongholds that are developed in people's lives. These wrong beliefs cause us to live in bondage to addictions, to sin, to fear, to live in a state of constant anxiety. The scripture tells us plainly that the war is won by the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The first thing we have is that that we need to recognize that the battle begins in our mind, this mind games. There is a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your joy. There's a battle for your peace. There's a battle for your security. There's a battle for your family. And this battle begins in our minds. There's a battle for your attitudes, not just your eternal soul. There's a battle for you. Enemy's trying to give you a bad attitude in your marriage. He's trying to have you to have a bad attitude about your job or a bad attitude. And so the second thing is we need to do is we need to reject the lies and the distortions of the truth. The enemy plays mind games and if recognize, wait a minute, he's trying to manipulate me. When the pressure is on you, that's what comes out of you. All right. So, you know, like, well, where'd that come from? Well, it came from inside. Now, here's the thing. We need to reject the lies and the distortions of the truth. Jesus said this. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Then notice that if you abide in my word and he says, and you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. When Satan first attempted Adam and Eve, he did not come to them with the truth. He came to them with a distortion of the truth. That's a lie. He tried to make them doubt God's character, God's motives, by insinuating that somehow God is deliberately holding back something that was good to them. He tried to make God look mean, when in reality, God was doing this to protect them, not to harm them. God had his plan for their good. He exaggerated God's commands by saying, Hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You mean you guys don't get to eat any of this fruit here? That's kind of what he's saying. He comes to them exaggerating. He says, God knows that he knows that if you eat of the fruit, that your eyes will be open and you'll be like God's and you'll see 
He's trying to withhold. He doesn't come out blatantly and say that. But the underlying statement is God's withholding good from you. Okay? He does the same thing today when he wants you to question God's goodness towards you. He has the same schemes when he wants you to question God's love for you. You think the enemy comes to you and says, the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That I've loved you with an undying love. You think he comes and tells you that kind of stuff? I can guarantee you that if you have those thoughts flowing through your mind, that because of his great love for us, he saved us. Satan's not putting those thoughts in your mind. He wants to cause you to doubt the goodness of the Lord. He wants to cause you to doubt the mercy of God. He's not going to come to you and say, well, you know, if you confess your sins, the Lord's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's not going to bring those thoughts to your mind. He's going to say, you did it again, you big loser. You haven't changed. God's getting tired of you. He don't want to hear your stuff. Why do you keep going back to him? Nothing's different. He wants to twist and use God's words against you. Satan is the master manipulator of the word. He will take the word of God and twist it to condemn you, to drive a wedge between you and the father who dearly loves you. He wants you to think that God's ways are restrictive, that God's ways are restrictive and God's trying to hold something good back from you. And here's another one of the things that Satan does. He shoots a fiery dart at our minds. It'll be some kind of off-the-wall thought. Some attitude that's wrong. Some crazy thought that goes through your mind. And then he'll say, what's wrong with you? What are you, some kind of weirdo? You don't really love Jesus. If you love Jesus, you wouldn't have that attitude towards that person. You wouldn't have that thought in your mind. You wouldn't think like that. While he throws the fiery dart at your mind... Then he comes along afterwards and uses the very weapons that he's trying to use against you, against you again by condemning you and accusing you and blaming you. The Bible says that Satan is the what of the brethren? He's the accuser of the brethren. And so thoughts will go through your mind. He'll lay out a temptation before you that appeals to the flesh. As long as we're in this human body. We are going to have to battle between the spirit and the flesh. The Bible says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Until the day that you die, and I believe that the more we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, and the more we say no to the sinful nature, to our old man, the stronger the spirit man becomes, and we starve the flesh out, okay? But it don't take much. It only takes like a morsel to feed the flesh, and it's revived once again. He wants to throw some kind of temptation before you, lay something before you, put something before you that appeals to your sinful nature, that fallen man. He brings that temptation before you. He tries to orchestrate that in your life. And then what he wants to do is blame you and accuse you and say that you've not changed, that you're no different. Distorting the truth. The reality of it is, is if we're going to deal with these mind games, we need to believe what God says about us. We need to believe what God says. What does God say about me? In Galatians chapter 2, verse 19, it says this. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, 
that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And this is what we need to get. In the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, what does it say? It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That Christ is living inside of me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 Corinthians three sixteen. It says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God's Spirit lives inside of you. That, Alan, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You are the temple. You are where the Holy Spirit abides. He lives in you. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, these are all from the King James Version. And it says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. What does it say he's done? It says that he hath raised us up together and has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You think I'm down here, I'm in the gutter. I'm just barely making it by. The word of God says that he's raised us up and seated us in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 through 19 says this, but now in Christ Jesus, not what the enemy says about you. I want you to get this. It's not what the enemy says about you. It's not what your feelings say about you. It's not what your circumstances say about you. What does the word of God say about you? It's the final authority. The word of God is the final authority. Listen to what it says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off, that was us, are made nigh by the blood of Jesus. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace to you who were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the father. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. The enemy, I recognize that he tries to play his mind games. Why is it sometimes that we let him continue to do them? What if instead of, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, what if instead of rebuking the devil and casting him out, what if we just identified some of the things that he's doing 
and start laughing? What if whenever the enemy comes against you with the accusations, instead of getting all frustrated and being all upset, what if we just recognize what they are? You're trying to play me. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You recognize his devices. The Bible says, submit yourselves into God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Sometimes resisting the devil, there's times where we need to speak in tongues and resist the devil. There's sometimes that what we do is simply shine the light on what he's doing. And we expose the truth. And so Satan comes with an accusation against you or me. And instead of us saying, oh yeah, you know, you're right. I'm such a bum. Oh man, I really don't really love Jesus very much. I thought I loved him, but uh Instead of falling into the traps of being afraid and discouraged and frustrated, what if we just start looking and recognizing it, identify it, and start laughing and say, you can play that with other people, but it doesn't work with me. I don't have to be afraid of you. I don't even have to talk to you. I can simply identify who you are and bring the truth of God's word into the situation and God's truth overcomes and the enemy will flee from you. He will flee from you. Friends, the enemy loves playing mind games with you. If we can identify what those are and simply say no to them, it's a lie. You're just trying to manipulate me. I'm not going to do it. You know, there's some people, and the enemy's one of them, there's some situations that aren't even worth you responding to. You know, it's like, nah, nah, nah. I don't even have to respond to that. I don't even have to listen to that. I don't even have to give a moment's energy to that. That's a lie. It's not true. I don't have to defend myself. All I have to do is stand in the truth of God's word. So the enemy says that, He brings these accusations against us, these lies against us, these fears, all of this stuff against us. And instead of us running and being afraid and being discouraged, what if we just say, it's not going to work anymore. I know your games. I know what you're playing. And it doesn't work for me any longer. So Father, today I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to not be unaware of the enemy's schemes. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would open up our eyes that we could see what God is doing in the hearts, in the lives of people around us. And when we see the enemy trying to bring fear, when we see the enemy bringing an accusation against God's elect, when we see the enemy saying things about God that are not true, that would somehow cause us to try to be afraid of God or run from God or hide from God, I pray, Lord, that we would resist him by simply speaking the truth of your word, that I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I belong to Jesus. He's my king and he's my Lord. He's the one who will discipline me. He's the one who will teach me. He's the one who will guide me. I'll submit myself to him. So, Father, I pray today that you would bring victory in our lives by exposing the enemies schemes in the mind games in which he comes against your people and we pray this in jesus name amen